we started last week a series called My, My Story, and um, I shared my story last week. If you weren't here to, here to catch that, you can go on our podcast, uh, kingwoodchurch.com, you, or you can go to iTunes and look up Kingwood Church, and you can find it there. Uh, today, you can see Stephen and Lori Davis are here. Next week and next week, two more weeks after today, we're going to have uh, other couples who are going to come and share their story of God's grace and God's power in their life. So I want to, the reason that we gave you this is because we've given you just a couple sentences on what their story is because you know people who would be specifically ministered to by the exact things that some of these folks went through. And so I want you to be sensitive to the people around you and think about who you might invite in the next week or two and just say, hey, look, you know, at our church we have um, some couples that are just going to be sharing their story on Sunday morning. And I thought of you when I saw this couple and, and wondered if you could come with me. Uh, and so it's a great opportunity uh, to minister to folks and uh, just give them opportunity to be encouraged. So Second uh, Corinthians 3, 3 says that you show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, not written with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tables of stone, but on tables of human, human flesh, the human hearts. And so that's where this series comes from. It's that God writes His grace, as Jeremy said in worship, like a tapestry, like a thread through our lives. And as we hear other people's stories we get to encounter the grace of God like a letter written from Christ to us. And so that's why we're doing this series, so that we, we might see the grace of God. So that brings me to, <laughs> that brings me to Steve and Lori, uh, who have... Now, I, I want to say this about these guys, because um, you, many of you may not know them, and you may not know the other couples that are coming to share, but these guys are, are just like you, They've been at Kingwood for, for several years. They're just Kingwood church people. Uh, they don't travel around the country and share their story every week and, uh, and all of that. And so they will eventually forgive me for asking them to do this uh, in time. But th they, these are just normal, ordinary, everyday folks who I think uh, oftentimes, I, I won't say it's better, but it's, it's powerful to hear, to hear the grace of God through you know, everyday people. So um, they're not speakers. They don't do this all the time. Um, they've, they've shared their testimony in some circles, but uh, never like this. So I just want to ask you to uh, really, you know, encourage them, hug their neck when you see them, thank them for telling their story today. And would you give them a great big Kingwood warm welcome? <laughs> So, you guys okay? <laughs> Good morning, Steve and Lori. Good morning. Uh, thank, Good morning. thank you guys for coming and doing this. Um, and I know we've talked for a few weeks about this. So, um, you guys are going to start with your background. So, who wants to go first? Um, I'll go first. Just an introduction. Okay. Um, I'm Steven. This is Lori, my wife. Um, we've been here at Kingwood for about 11 years. Um, we have two sons, uh, Devin and Rylan, are 12 and 9. Um, I have a 17-year-old daughter who lives in Mississippi. Um, and I'm originally from Harvey, Illinois. 
My wife is actually um, from Dayton, Ohio. Um, so Northerners. Okay. okay. Well, we love you anyway. I will say that Steve is not actually a northerner. He uh, he was only there for a minute. Okay. So. <laughs> he doesn't really get to qualify in the northerner circle, but you'll hear a little bit more of that as we go. Um, so we wanted to kind of first um, talk through our church life and what church looked for, looked like for us um, growing up as children. Um, so anybody who knows me knows that I am a crier, so I'm going to do my best not to do that, but that probably won't happen, so <laughs> I'm going to embrace it. Um, so uh, I grew up in, in Dayton, Ohio, in a small suburb, very much like Alabaster, um, in a small, spirit-filled um, Baptist church. Um, my mom and I attended church whenever the doors were open, um, and my mom is truly a godly example. She's been a godly example in my life, um, and she. She's a prayer warrior. Um, so very early on in my life, she instilled that Jesus was the one who you would go to. That he would take care of us. Um, he would provide all your needs. Uh, but even with all that, uh, it, for me, there was something missing. Um, I, I accepted Christ in, in vacation Bible school. Uh, around third grade, um, as I said, we, we were in church all the time. So all of my childhood memories are of church, of being people, you know, with people in church, going to church camp, um, singing in church, um, going and being a camp counselor. Um, I just, we, I just, we were always in church. That was our life. Um, but as I, I came into my adult years, um, I began to live, I guess, what you would call a double life. I, I really loved Jesus, and I was that person in church. But away from church, I made many choices just to please my mom, um, or not to please my mom, but I, I made many choices um, that often were things that my mom would not approve of. Uh, my parents divorced when I was an infant. Um, my dad was an alcoholic, and um, as a result, passed away from alco alcoholism. Um, I had no real father figure in my life. Um, I always actually would, would always um, celebrate my mom on Father's Day. I would get her, give her Father's Day gifts and cards. Um, however, my mom didn't fill the need that a father needs to fill. And she, nothing against her, she just she didn't have that. Um, so this caused uh, a need for approval in me, which led to unhealthy relationships in my life. Um, and I searched for this approval through romantic relationships, um, looking to find that validation that I was pretty enough or good enough. Um, and as you can imagine, it didn't happen. Um, but I continued to make those choices, and I pushed further and further away from the Lord. Um, I ultimately, uh, in my early 20s, um, just quit attending church altogether. Um, so I'm going to stop there and let Steve give his... Um, like I said, I grew up in um, Illinois. Um, both my parents worked long hours, um, so we spent a lot of uh, summers um, with aunts um, from uh, both my parents' side. Um, I really didn't uh, have an affiliation with church when I was younger because uh, my parents didn't go to church. Um, my first, I guess, um, 
experience with church was probably through BBS. And uh, at the time, I really didn't even know it was church. Uh, one of my aunts used to send us uh, with my cousins, and um, you know, we would go and we would do the arts and crafts, and I would hear the stories of, uh, you know, of the Bible. But um, you know, as far as being connected, I didn't have a connection. Um, when my um, parents divorced and we moved down south, that was when I really um, uh, was introduced to church. Um, and my mother was a very godly woman. Um, I would see her praying all the time. I always saw her at home um, studying the Bible, making notes. Um, she always made sure that we were uh, participating in church, speeches, plays, singing in the choir. But um, I just, I really, I never didn't, I really didn't have a connection to it because, you know, it was new to me. Um, and as far as baptism goes, um, my mother asked me um, one, one Sunday, she told me that she said, she basically said, your cousins are getting baptized next Sunday. Um, do you want to get baptized? And I said, not really. Um, and she said, no, you're getting baptized. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but again, um, even though I enjoyed um, you know, he hearing the Bible story, I loved actually hearing the, the Bible stories and reading the Bible stories, um, I really didn't have a connection with church. Um, so it really wasn't like my wife's connection, I, I, it, it just, it was just something that we did. Um, in my childhood, I always felt like I was chasing something. Um, I was always reading encyclopedias, dictionaries, different reference materials. Um, later on in my teenage years, in my adult, my young adult life, I, um, I turned to um, adult magazines pornography, um, and it just became a source, that, that became a source of, of, of research, but it became an addiction. Um, I chased that for probably the next three decades. Um, the root cause of this addiction um, became very, became a very well-hidden, dark secret that I kept to myself and uh, never told anybody. So fast forward to uh, Steve and I meeting. Um, I was still out in my, in my I guess, late 20s, 30, 20s at this time, um, still searching for that approval that I, I hadn't found um, and um, had a, been in a broken relationship with a, another romantic relationship when my heart was broken um, and began um, chatting online um, several years ago. Uh, what, 15 years ago, uh, online dating was not what it is today. So it was very uncommon um, and unusual. So we met actually on, online um, in a, what they called a chat room at the time, which was really just a bunch of people getting online and chit-chatting. Um, we talked for about three months online um, via chatting um, and telephone conversations. And at one point we decided we need, we, we need to meet. Um, so we met halfway for, um, which was in the time he was living in Meridian, Mississippi, and I lived in, in Dayton. Um, so we met halfway, which was in Nashville, and spent a weekend there together. 
And of course, after the weekend, you know, I was my sparkle in my eyes, and I, I was I was in love. You know, we we knew from that moment forward that it was just a matter of location. Yeah. Um, and for me, at the time, um, Tajay, which is um, our 17-year-old daughter, she was two. Um, and so with my, my background of not having a father, there was no way that I was going to be a part of taking a father away from a little girl. So I was quick to jump from Ohio and say, I am moving to Mississippi. Um, and that's what I did. <laughs> um, so I think by December of that year, um, I had come to Mississippi, I had met his mom um, and, and brother um, and great-great-grandma at the time, which um, was nearly 100, I think. <laughs> um, and he had come to uh, Florida uh, to meet my mom um, for Thanksgiving. Um, and then that December, uh, right before the new year, uh, he came to Ohio, we packed up a U-Haul truck, and we were on our way. And my, my, my perfect life that I had, had dreamed of in my mind was about to happen. Um, so our uh, new life together begins in 2002. Um, and the next three years was a very troublesome, tumultuous three years. Um, we had to deal with outside interference from um, my daughter's mother, um, who wanted to have a hand in, um, you know, causing any kind of interference that she could in our relationship. Uh, from, you know, demanding that uh, my daughter not spend any time with Lori, to you know, drilling into her head that she couldn't communicate with her when she came to visit, um, grilling her when she came back home to find out if she actually talked to her. Um, it was just uh, not very good. Um, there, are, there was also actually a physical altercation one time when uh, we went to return her home. Um, her and her mother actually assaulted um, a wife. Um, so it, 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 was, it was not uh, a safe place uh, for Lori. She didn't feel safe at all being there. Um, Couple that with just getting to know one another, getting used to each other, each other's habits, likes and dislikes, um, and then throw into the mix um, the fact that um, I hadn't discontinued my uh, risque behavior. Um, I was um, still chatting online. Um, I hadn't uh, turned away from pornography. Um, I just it just made it a difficult time. Um, she was now aware of that addiction that I had spent uh, most of my teenage and adult years um, trying to hide. Um, and like I said, it was, it was just very troubling and, and, uh, and the, race, the relationship just suffered because of it. So related to the pornography at the time, um, you know, I had only grown up with a mom, so I really didn't know anything about pornography. Um, my mom barely spoke the word um, sex. I, I, di I didn't know any, I honestly didn't really know anything about it. What I, you know, what I learned was through, you know, friends in school and here and there. So um, I really didn't know that pornography was sinful. Um, so when he would, when he would pass it off to me and say, well, this is just something guys do, you know, I, I mean, I believed it was true. 
But what I did know is that every time it happened, something inside of me um, said, no, this is not okay. Um, and I became very angry. Um, and regardless of me trying to accept it in my mind, my heart would never accept it. And we continued to have this struggle, um, you know, as he, would, as he would view pornography, he, you know, he would obviously not do it directly in front of me, but I would, you know, would find evidence or whatever the case may be. Um, so that, that continued on for about three years. Um, and, you know, I was struggling with um, dealing with um, my stepdaughter's mother, we let, Meridian's a very, very small town, so like, I couldn't even go to Walmart without being fearful that I might run into her, you know, in the milk aisle. And one um, of her friends. Yeah, and, and because it was also a small town, I worked, the, the location where I worked at, it was like I had someone watching me at all times. She knew, she knew, she knew when I was going to be out of town, and so it just wasn't a good situation. So, um, the company that I was working for at the time, um, I had an opportunity for a promotion um, to move to Birmingham, Alabama, and I was beyond excited. <laughs> um, I had been to Birmingham, I think once or twice, possibly, um, but I knew that it was, it was uh, away from Meridian, but it wasn't too far from Meridian, so that we would still be close um, to, um, to Tajay. Um, but I knew that you know, three years in, there was no way that we're going to have a healthy relationship with us living in this town. So I was very, very excited for that. I was also excited that it was a big city. Um, and I think that, you know, secretly inside, I was just thinking, you know, this is going to fix everything. We're going to move, and it's, I got this, you know, I'm going to get this new job, and it's just going to, things are going to, you know, things are going to change. Um, so during this time, um, back to kind of when I was a child, as I explained, that I always knew, regardless of where I was, with my relationship with the Lord, I always knew deep inside that he was the one who would answer my prayers, that he would take care of me, that he would protect me. Um, and his faithfulness just showed up several, several times during this period of time, but just, a, just one or two um, during the period where we needed, we were going to have to sell our house to move to Birmingham. Um, it was, I was offered the job, I think it was maybe a week after Hurricane Katrina hit. And so while Meridian did not suffer the vast damage that other areas did, it, it did suffer quite a bit of damage. We were out of electricity for about a week, and there was, um, you know, trees and, um, you know, damage all over the city. Well, during this time, um, we were, we were going to have to put our house up on the market. Um, it just happened that every house surrounding us had a tree that went through the roof. House on the right, house on the left, house across the street. And our house remained untouched. Um, you know, and I look back now and think, gosh, God knew, like, God knew that in order for us to sell our house that, you know, we couldn't have damage to our house. So it's almost like he put a layer of protection over us um, in that time. Now, also, we had just, we'd only bought this house maybe like two, I think like two years yeah. prior. Um, so we had, you know, the real estate person came out to help us with the pricing on the house. And um, when they came out to price the house, um, the amount they told us to price it for was $25,000 less than what we actually owed on the mortgage. And so I was like, oh my goodness, this is never, this is never going to work. Um, how is this going to happen? 
so, you know, obviously we couldn't sell the house for $25,000 less than we had, so we, you know, we put it on the market in hopes that we would just break even. Um, so I go ahead and start to Birmingham at this time. Um, Devin, our, our oldest son, is um, 18 months old, and I'm commuting back and forth to Birmingham like every other night. I stay in a hotel one night. I come home one night so that I don't have to be away from them. Um, and the, about the third week into this commute, I was, I mean, I was frazzled trying to, to do this back and forth. And it was a Friday. I was driving home. 20 days in, we get the first offer on the house, and we sell the house. Um, we sell it for exactly what we needed. And then my company actually came in and paid for all the closing costs. And um, we actually ended up making money on this house that we were supposed to lose $25,000 on. So... In my mind, I knew that was another reason that, that God had stepped in to take care of us. And I knew that I wasn't doing what I should be doing. So it was in my heart, I knew that when we, when we got settled and got to Birmingham, I was getting in church. So it was, it was during this time that I actually, um, during the selling and buying period, um, when I realized that Lori was actually a very, uh, a deeply spiritual person. Um, we had never really discussed um, God. Um, we both knew that you know we were in church when we were younger, but um, throughout our relationship, we had we hadn't even you know spoken of, of God or going to church. Um, this also gave me an opportunity uh, to apply for a new job that would allow me to I guess uh, get back to utilizing uh, the, the skills and training that I had um, achieved in uh, military. So. Um, I applied for basically the first job that I saw in the one ads uh, here in Birmingham. Um, I came up, interviewed uh, three different times, and um, got the job right off. Um, also, while we were uh, while I was coming up for interviews, we actually did did a little uh, house hunting. Um, we saw so many houses that we were just tired of searching, um, and. At that point, I think the realtor was kind of getting frustrated with us, and um, Lori made a statement to her that, you know, basically, when I see the house that I love, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm just going to know it. And the realtor was like, uh, I don't think it really happens like that. <laughs> <laughs> but it did. Uh, Lori actually found the house while I was still in uh, Mississippi, and uh, um, I hadn't even seen the house. I just trusted that she knew it was, you know, the house. <laughs> Um, if you carried, it was 30 houses later. <laughs> it's like, <yeah>. whatever. <laughs> so we actually moved. I moved up. We hadn't actually moved into the house. Um, we were staying in temporary housing. It was right before Christmas. Um, so it was after the first of the year when we actually moved into the house. Um, so we're settled. Um, we're, we're, we're moving on. Um, Lori, I guess, um, does some research, and she finds Kingwood. So we, uh, you know, start attending church like we had, you know, promised that we would uh, start. Um, um, in the process um, of, I guess, getting moved in, starting our jobs, uh, we started going, um, getting into a rut um, of basically just going to church, punching our spiritual clock. Um, and then going on with our lives. Um, my old habits um, hadn't died yet, so I basically slipped back into 
um, the online chatting um, and the pornography. Um, um, it's, I mean, it, it's, it was a part of my life at the time. It, I had done it for you know, 30 years or more. Um, it wasn't going to leave just like that. So um, that deep, dark secret that I alluded to earlier, um, I had just compartmentalized for most of my life. It was something that Pastor Jay told us in one of our sermons about men being able to compartmentalize, being able to take something out of our main box and put it in a small little box elsewhere and not having to deal with it at that time. So I think I did that for most of my life. Um, from the ages of six to nine, while living up north, um, like I said, my mother and my father worked a lot. We worked long hours. Uh, we spent a lot of time at some aunt's house. And um, during this time, I had an older cousin who would visit with us frequently. She came to our house. We would go to their house. Um, this relative sexually abused me for a span of about three years. And I remember that specifically because um, it happened, I remember it happening at three different locations where we lived at while we were up north. Um, in retrospect, I guess I understand that I was introduced to an aspect of life that I shouldn't have been aware of at that age. Um, I didn't understand until much later, ultimately, how this abuse contributed to you know, my behavior, my premature sexual awareness, and ultimately how it affected every relationship from that point forward. Um, I'm, I'm reminded of something that I read online about um, family trauma. It says, it was on uh, pureintimacy.org. It basically says that unresolved family trauma is at the root of most major life conflicts facing individuals and families. Addictions, personal dysfunction, relationship conflicts, divorce, and abusive behavior often finds their origins in a painful family history. In most cases, what is often thought of as a behavioral problem, such as alcohol, drugs, or pornography abuse, involves deep-rooted wounds. The behaviors are visible, are the visible aspect of something going wrong in an, in an individual's life. Um, so because you know, we were going on with our lives and had, you know, moved in. We thought everything was fine. Um, this is around the time that my behavior just became more prevalent, I guess. Um, and Lori figured out what was going on. Um, but it eventually rolled into an affair. Um, this was around August, September of uh, 2008. And needless to say, it destroyed her. Um, she was full of hurt, anger, rage, depression, um, and I was the cause of it. Um, I mean, I was immediately sorry, but I was only sorry at the time because I was caught. Um, but it severely affected our family life. Um, we would go weeks at a time not speaking, and, even, and when there were words between us, they weren't kind words. Um, I know it affected my son, my oldest son, because um, he started acting out in school. Um, I remember one specific incident, he came to church um, and he asked, actually asked Pastor Joel, he went up for the prayer altar and asked Pastor Joel if he would pray for his mommy and daddy because um, of all the arguing and yelling and screaming that was going on in his house, he wanted to have God have it stop. Um, really honestly, during this time, I just wanted to inflict pain on him. However I could hurt him, that's what I wanted to do. Um, there was, you know, God wasn't, 
God wasn't in it at this point. I, I just wanted to hurt him. And the thought of letting him think that he could just, like, that we were just going to walk away and get divorced and that was going to be the end of it, I was like, oh, no, that's not going to happen. I'm going to hurt you. You're going to pay for all this hurt you have inflicted on me. Um, so um, finally she came to me um, and at some point said, I believe in you. And the only way that we're going to survive this is if we allow God to work in our lives. Um, so she suggested uh, going into the marriage ministries um, here at Kingwood, and I was okay with that because, um, but because of my you know upbringing, my mother was one that was very private. Um, you don't share your family secrets with anybody, so uh, you know that that was going to be the obstacle that I was going to have to overcome. Um, so we contacted Paul and Cherry um, in marriage ministries, and at the time, um, it was actually going through an overhaul. Um, they were retraining uh, new people, um, overhauling the curriculum, and it was gonna be like after January um, uh, when we were able to get into the course. And of course, you know, both of us were like, what? Yeah, I mean, at the time, it was, I mean, really, it sounds bad initially, but looking back, had we just gone, had they just signed us up and said, come on in, let's make this happen, the type of personality is, I'm a fixer and I want to check the boxes, I would, I would have checked the boxes and said, okay, well, we went to marriage ministries and now, we're, now we should be all good. But um, it wasn't like that. They, you know, because of the things that were happening with the marriage ministry at the time, they were changing the curriculum, I think, um, you know, they uh, came to us and um, they knew we weren't at the attorney yet, <laughs> signing divorce papers. Um, uh, so they gave us, um, I think they, I don't know if they called it homework or um, mm. things that we needed to work on, but they told us that we needed to be in church every day, every, you know, every time the church doors were open, we needed to be here. Um, and so for me, that really wasn't much of an adjustment because that's the life I grew up in is coming to church day, you know, every time the doors were open. Um, but for him, it was a little bit different. Yeah, it seemed like um, a lot of church. But I, I would, <laughs> yeah. But I will say that um, during that period of time, we were touched by people that didn't, that didn't even know that they were touching us. Um, there was a couple that taught the class um, upstairs. I can't remember their names right off. Um, they moved away to Indiana. Um, they um, prayed over us one time. I mean, not, and they didn't even know the situation. Um, we picked up our baby one time from, from, the, from the nursery. And Becky George spoke up over us that God was going to do wonderful things in our life and in our marriage. And at the time, I'm going to be honest, I was like, oh, my gosh, she's seen our book. And she knows that we're in, you know, because I was, you know, I was very, you know, worried that somebody would know. But it just, just time and time again, I mean, over that course of the three months, um, God continued to slowly work in me um, to, so that I could get to a point of forgiveness and um, worked in Steve as well. So she basically, I was going through the motions because I just wanted peace in our house, in our household. Um, and at some point, you know, she noticed that I wasn't given 100%. Um, um, I had slipped back into, you know, doing what I was doing. Um, and she, you know, basically told me, you have a problem. Um, and it was related to, you know, what had happened to me in my childhood. Um, but, you know, I was like, me? I, I don't have a problem. I'm normal, you know? Um, but it, you know, I, after that argument, I think I left. I drove drove out by myself, and I, you know, thought for a while, and, and I realized that, you know, I did have a problem. 
Um, Lori, like she said, being the fixer, she um, decided you know, she was gonna do research, she was gonna look up you know, different things, and she found this, uh, this site for me um, to uh, you know, check into. So it was called uh, Setting Captures Free. I enrolled in it, um, it was a 60-day course, um, and at some point during um, the course at day 12, um, it asked you, it, it asked something really, really incredible, or I thought was impossible at the time, but um, it told me that I had to radically amputate. Um, we reference Mark 9, chapter 9, verse 43. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter this life maimed than with two hands to go into hell, where the fire never goes out. Now, some people say that uh, it was easy for them to choose God over sin. Um, I remember that day very differently. Um, I remember it like it was yesterday. I was working on my lesson and I started reading and I knew that it was gonna be a tough one. Um, but in order to be free, I had to cut, cut out all forms of pornography and, 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 and impurities. Um, so I decided to get up. I grabbed DVDs and, and videotapes of what I had and um, I snapped them in two. Um, and then once I got home, this was at work. Once I got home, um, I went and collected everything that I had and I took a hammer and I started smashing everything. And I bagged it up and I took it out to, to the end of the road because it was garbage day and I dumped everything in there. And at that point, I just felt like this big weight lifted off my shoulders and I knew that it was possible you know, to be free. Um, that was when I actually, you know, knew um, that I could do this. Um, there was a point after the 60-day course when uh, I began mentoring other people in that program, and I realized um, that what I had learned in the purpose-driven life was that God was using me. Um, the negative events in my life, he was using for his good and his glory. Um, one Sunday we were sitting up in the balcony and uh, the praise team was singing one of our regular songs and uh, out of nowhere I just burst into tears. Um, I began to cry uncontrollably. Um, I believe it was in that moment that I felt the Holy Spirit um, in those words and a heavy weight was like lifted off my shoulders. Um, I had the realization that I hadn't done what I had done along. I hadn't come that far by myself, that he was moving through me, that he was molding me, that he was shaping me, changing me. He was using me for his good. Um, it felt like one of the best feelings I had ever experienced in my life. Um, and this song was actually, uh, the words were, I'm not going back, I'm moving ahead. I'm here to declare to you that my past is over. In you, all things are made new. I surrender my life to Christ. I'm moving, moving forward. My wife, during this time, she presented me with unconditional love. Um, and at some point in the process, she told me that she forgave me. Um, so as part of um, forgiving Steve, um, you know, in the beginning it was difficult because I could, you could tell when someone's doing something to check the box or they're doing it with actual, you know, because they want to. Um, at some point, I think uh, the balance between the two, I saw that. Um, I know that during the, uh, during the period of time, this, I think it was about three months that we, before we started coaching, um, 
Paul gave us a book that he had he had just written um, called Impossible to Forgive, Impossible to Forgive Question Mark. Um, and I remember when I read that book um, that there was some very eye-opening things that I realized um, that honestly it's not my choice whether I want to forgive Steve or not. I have to forgive Steve. Um, in Matthew 6.15 it says that Jesus said if you refuse to give others your father will refuse to give your sins. Um, so I knew that it was something that I had to do. It wasn't a choice. So um, it was a process, um, but I saw um, God changing him day in and day out. Um, and from that, um, I did forgive him. Um, it didn't take away my doubts. So I did have to constantly um, commit him to the Lord that, you know, I can't, maybe my trust isn't with him 100%, that I completely trust him, but I can trust God because God has always taken care of me. And um, so that's what, I, that's what I have done, and that's what I do, um, is that any time that, that doubt comes into my head, I say, no, Satan, that's not, I'm not listening. And I, I commit him to God, that God is going to take care of him and that he will take care of me. Um, just a couple things that during this particular time were pretty, you know, um, Things that I used in my daily life is Jeremiah 29, 11. I, you know, I said it day in and day out and read it that, you know, <clears throat> he knows the plans that he, that he has for me. He wants to prosper me and not to harm me. He has plans for a hope and a future. Um, during our uh, marriage coaching, we also read um, The Purpose Driven Life as a couple. And there was one, there's a poem in that um, that book that really just kind of tied it all together for me of, you know, I didn't have a dad, but there was a reason. Um, and I don't know what the reason is today, but Jesus will tell me someday. Um, and because I would boohoo reading it, I'm going to have Steve read it. Um, it this, is a, this is the poem. It says, you are here. You are who you are for a reason. You're part of an intricate plan. You're a precious and perfect, unique design called God's special woman or man. You look like you look for a reason. Our God made no mistake. He knit you together within the womb. You're just what he wanted to make. The parents you had were the ones he chose, and no matter how you feel, they were custom designed with God's plan in mind, and they bear the master's seal. Know that trauma you faced was not easy, and God wept that it hurt you so, but it was, al it, but it was allowed to shape your heart so that into his likeness you grow. You are who you are for a reason. You've been formed by the master's rod. You are who you are, beloved, because there is a God. So in closing, our lives today, um, our marriage is not perfect, um, but we love each other, and we know what God has brought us through. Um, we trust in God and know that he's slowly growing us day by day. Um, we um, joined the marriage coaching um, area of few years back and we find that every couple that we are able to meet with and coach it actually ends up strengthening our own marriage um, we're so thankful to our Kingwood family and all of those that have prayed and poured into us um, and just want to thank y'all today for letting us share our story with you wow awesome. wow wow
I, I want us to have a, a moment to pray this morning. Before we do, as I was listening to you guys, I was uh, thinking, um, you know, because pornography is such a prevalent problem, uh, even among, you know, church people, uh, the statistics are, are, are out there. And, and pornography is a growing problem among women. Um, and I, I, you guys were so brave today. Thank you for, thank you for just sharing honestly from your heart. It, it couldn't have been easy, but God's grace, I think, is stronger in your life um, when you when you reveal His work. So I appreciate that. Steve, what would you say to the, to the man or woman in the room who says, you know, this is just the way it is. Pornography's part of life now. It's, it's integrated through technology. And, you know, God understands this part of my life. And it's okay to do this because of whatever. What, what would you, what would you, because that's what you said. Yeah. What would you say about that? It's, it's not okay. Um, it's, uh, I'm, I'm reminded of um, something from the book, The Love Dare, that tells us that we should um, not follow our hearts because our, our hearts are very deceitful, mm. that we should lead our hearts. And that's, that's what you have to do. You have to lead your heart, not follow your heart where worldly sin will, will try to, you know, try to guide you. Mm. Um, it's, it's, it gives you a distorted view of, of what God's purpose for a woman uh, being there in life is supposed to be. Um, I mean, no, no good can come of it. I mean, it's an addiction. The more, the more you see of it, the more you want of it, and you know, when you hit rock bottom, you realize that you're you're viewing something that you probably wouldn't have never thought you would be into um, when you first started. So, I mean, there's, there's no winning, um, you know, with this form of addiction. You can't win. Good. Lori, what would you say uh, to the couple, you know, who, who's here today and struggling with conflict, forgiveness? Uh, they've been hurt by a spouse, a parent. You know, what, what would you say about forgiveness? Well, it's easy, it's easy to say that you have to forgive. <laughs> um, but I would say that, um, you know, I've been there. I under, you know, I understand how hard that is to forgive someone who's hurt you. Uh, you feel like you should be the judge and the jury. But really and truly, I mean, God forgave us. Mm. So I think that, you know, you have to kind of take your heart out of it and, and, and think, think just with your mind to know that, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to forgive this person, even though I know they've hurt me. And because Jesus loves me, he'll take care of the rest. Good. Would you stand with me this morning? And could, could I put you guys on the spot for a minute? Would you come here and just be available to pray with anyone who needs prayer. Prayer team, would you come too, please? Thank you, guys. 
what a what a um, what a beautiful story. You never know, you know. Steve said he was in the balcony on that Sunday and just singing one of our normal songs, but it wasn't a normal day for Steve. It was a very different day. And you know, every Sunday is that day for somebody, but you don't know it until you hear these stories. So, would you close your eyes with me this morning? And Steve and Lori are here, and our prayer team is here. I wondered this morning, as you sat and listened and heard this story, how many people here would say, you know what, nobody looking around. We just shared these stories to be, to just come out with it, to be honest with the struggle, but also with the grace of God. What we did today is we dispelled the darkness that says, you're alone or you're done or God doesn't care or you're stuck in your sin or you're bound and you'll never be free. We just blew that myth away today. It's a lie. And so today I wonder how many of you are here and you say, you know, I have a struggle and I just haven't been able to defeat this thing or I've been hurt and I'm having trouble forgiving or there's a relationship challenge in my life and I need God's help. It's in these exact moments that God does His best work and begins to change your future begins to change the direction that you're going in life and so this morning you have a need in your life and you say if I'm honest Steve and Lori were honest and I'm just going to be honest today and say I have a need I have a need I have a challenge I have a struggle I have somebody hurt me I was abused as a child I'm I'm in an abusive situation now and I I need God's help for deliverance and forgiveness. Maybe you're here and you say, I need forgiveness. I've done some things. I was the one. I was the cause. And I need God's hand today. Would you just lift your hand up and say, hey, when you pray today, remember me because I need God's touch in my life. Would you just lift your hand? Say, yeah, I see your hand. Yes, yep, yes, yes. In the middle, in the back, in the middle, in the very back, in in the balcony. I need God's touch today. I just need God's touch today. I need help. I need God to help me, give me strength. In just a minute, we're going to pray, and I'm going to ask you to come to one of the folks on our prayer team and just let them pray for you. And you can you can say whatever you want to say. No, nobody's going to you know force you to say anything. This is a safe place. We're going to pray for you. Lord, I thank you for the grace of God that's in this room, and I thank you for the power of Jesus that is blowing up all the lies and the myths of the enemy right now. And I I thank you for the grace of God that is here to give hope and empower us to do things we cannot do on our own. Your grace is strong enough. And so we lean in on it this morning. Now, if you lifted your hand, I want you to come right now. I want you to step out right now and let one of the prayer team just meet you here in prayer. Come on, come on today in the balcony, in the middle, in the back. Just come and let the Lord minister grace, truth, wholeness, peace. I'm going to ask the worship team, just, just sing this song through one time and we'll be dismissed. But we're here for you. We want to pray with you. Come and let the Lord this morning just minister grace to your heart.
minister grace to your soul. Today is the day that things begin to change in your life. Today is the day that you turn the corner. Today is the day that you live in hope. Today is the day, as Steve said, I didn't even know it was possible. Today's the day things you didn't think were possible start to become possible. Come on, worship team, would you go ahead and lead us in that song? God.